What's up, everybody? Happy Monday, February 25th, 2019. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. It is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. It's Combine Week. That means it's go time. Full throttle down from here until the draft. You ready to go? Let's go daily. We're excited for it. We're gonna go. We're gonna go through the all season, past the draft, into the you know into the the mall of of the summer, and uh, right on to get you up till next football season. If you've been here for a long time, thank you for staying. We're approaching our one year anniversary. I'm very excited about it. I'm sure everyone knows April first. Oddly enough, actually April second technically. Um, so that April Fool's Day show won't be a a, a joke. And uh, and if you're new, thanks for joining. Appreciate you stopping by. Some housekeeping here as we prepare for this week because it's going to be a busy week of podcasts. First up, um, today is Monday, tomorrow is Tuesday, the day after that is Wednesday. I don't know if you know that information. Uh, those are all facts. On these three days, myself, Ryan Wilson, and John Ledyard of the draftnetwork.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. Highly recommend you do that and uh, check out the draftnetwork.com stuff. We're going to have a 30-minute chunk preview each of those days in which we break down uh, 30-minute chunk uh, combine preview in which we break down different groups and positions and sort of talk about some of the storylines going into the combine. And frankly, uh, Ledyard and Wilson are going to reveal some names that I've never heard of. It happened at least 10 to 15 times. We went ahead and recorded the full 90 minutes on Sunday. It will be ready in 30-minute uh, increments. We're going to do quarterbacks and running backs on um, uh, today. And then we'll do uh, wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive linemen tomorrow on Tuesday, and then we'll do the full defensive spectrum on Wednesday. And they're really, I, I, I tell you, like they're very educational. So if you're trying to get your draft chops rolling, this is perfect fodder for you. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps a lot. I know that I don't, I don't want to beg daily for reviews, but if you, if, if you like the show and you want to leave a review, do it. I appreciate it. The, the pick six army is a strong, loyal group of, uh, of listeners and, and readers and watchers. And I appreciate it. My bosses appreciate it. My family, my son, um, my wife, you know, for, for their own livelihoods appreciate it. Uh, and additionally, this week, starting on Wednesday, at noon Eastern, from noon until 1, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I think Saturday. You can check my Twitter feed at Will Brinson for it. Uh, we will be doing a live Pick 6 podcast rundown from the Combine. That's right. You people who listen to this this podcast, and I mean me to some extent, but mostly you people, have made this podcast so entertaining that my bosses believe we should do a like we should do a live we did a live video show at the Super Bowl. They're like, all right, that that went well. People watched it. The people who listen to the podcast came and checked it out. Let's do some more live video and let's do it live from the combine. And if it keeps it up, maybe we'll just do live video shows everywhere. Free agency, uh, owners meetings. Maybe we'll do the draft. Who knows? The, the point being is that uh, keep doing what you do and check out these live video feeds. You can watch them on CBS Sports HQ. CBSSports.com slash live or CBSSportsHQ.com. Either one of those will redirect you to the site you need to go to. 12 to 1 Eastern. Need you there. Come check them out. Um, I'll, we'll have a news intro for Tuesday and, uh, and Wednesday as well as we sort of get on through the week. 
I will be traveling on Wednesday morning to the combine very, 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 very early. Um, and then probably land and go straight there and do the show, but be there Wednesday through Saturday. John Breach and Ryan Wilson and myself will be doing the podcast. We'll have Pete Prisker, Brady Quinn, Jason Lockenfora, other assorted guests. Hope to get GMs and, and coaches and, and all those good folks on here. So it should be a really entertaining week. And we actually expect to do podcasts. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday from the Combine. So that's a, a lengthy intro as to the plan for this week. Um, sorry for the lo- loquaciousness, but I just wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of what is going on because, I don't know, I mean, look, if somebody – I have a lot of podcasts I listen to outside of my own podcast. Um, and if somebody's like, hey, we're doing bonus shows this week, I actually go to the gym more. So maybe you people can get in shape or something. Uh, maybe we could all get in shape. Might happen. Might, might, might not happen. Um, to the news before we get to John Ledyard and Ryan Wilson. Um, on Friday, the news broke that Patriots owner Robert Kraft was charged with, uh, solicita- soliciting prostitution, um, in a, uh, in a very serious situation down in Florida, in Jupiter, Florida, two acts where he had gone in, in allegedly gone two different times. And today is Monday again. There is reportedly going to be a uh, a warrant issued for Robert Kraft, or there will be some more legal maneuvering today. So I don't want to get too deep into this. There will be lots of time to deal with it. It's a very sensitive subject. I, I just want to make sure that we you know we cover it and and, and put it out there. I will say this: uh, two things. One, I, I think it is important that we separate ourselves from the headline notion of Patriots owner involved and and look at the fact that the Jupiter police are doing a really good thing by targeting a really terrible uh, segment of the criminal population in, in terms of people who uh, allegedly, I mean, that's what they allege is, is that they are, uh, you know, it's basically human trafficking and it's horrible. It's terrible. It's an awful thing. And it's good for the Jupiter police. If they believe they have a problem to continue to target the people like that. Um, you know, secondary, you know, secondarily to this is the story of Bob Kraft and, and how his involvement relates to that. Certainly it is, it is bad for the Patriots. I mean, it's a storyline that is not beneficial. It is uh, bad for Robert Kraft and his you know, would be hall of fame legacy. Now, there's an argument out there that the Hall of Fame does not take in off-field actions, even dealing with contributors, so that may not matter. That's a whole nother ball of wax for a whole nother day. Um, but, you know, this is something that is not going to go away. And it is, it is something that will certainly, I would imagine, that is addressed with uh, great frequency at the Combine. Typically, whenever there's a big storyline like this, you have reporters and media members who will go and ask coaches with any sort of proximity to whoever's involved. So, for instance, uh, Bill Belichick does not speak at the Combine. Nobody really knows why, um, but he just kind of gets away with not doing it. Good for him. That's great. He does speak at the coaches' breakfast in March um, at the owners' meetings out in Arizona. Uh, but you know who will be speaking at the, at the Combine is, is Matt Patricia. And I would guess that Matt Patricia will probably spend five of his 15 minutes answering questions about Patri- about the Patriots and, and the Patriots ownership. That's just how this goes. So uh, there will be lots of more, lots more questions asked about that and lots more, 
you know, Robert Kraft has come out and categorically, categorically denied it. So that, you know, coupled with the, uh, Jupiter police and the authorities involved here claiming that they have video of this makes for a very interesting juxtaposition in terms of claims that are being made from one side to the other. Uh, there is all, there is also a situation out there in which the, um, it was reported by Adam Schefter of ESPN, who I consider a very reputable um, insider in, in terms of this business. And he said that uh, Robert Kraft was, quote, not the biggest name involved in the investigation. Uh, I'm also told that Robert Kraft is not the biggest name involved down there in South Florida, Schefter said. And according to Pro Football Talk, um, they were told that nobody around here has any idea what Schefter is referring to. State attorney spokesman Mike Edmondson said via uh, deadspin.com. So there's just a lot going on here. It is a, it is a national case with a very big storyline that lives outside of what is happening, uh, with respect to the NFL. But as, as John Breach wrote about on, on Friday, it is possible that Robert Kraft could face both a suspension and a fine from the NFL as a result of his involvement in whatever happens here and whatever is decided because the NFL has decided to, you know, make, to hold owners accountable uh, with respect to the personal conduct policy. So again, a lot more to unfold on that. There's no reason to dive too deep into it. I'm sure we'll have plenty more uh, to talk about that. You know, as, as the legal, as the legal ramifications unfold. I mean, it's just, you know, it is a, uh, it is an interesting situation to say the least. The Steelers, of course, uh, are trying to trade Antonio Brown. We all know about that. Kevin Colbert, the GM, said that three teams said this on Friday after we recorded our last show have already, Friday was a very busy day in the NFL, uh, have already called about trading for Antonio Brown. We have a uh, a story here from Cody Benjamin. I don't see a list of the three possible teams. I would guess that if that noise played, I apologize. I would guess that the three teams involved here, two are in the NFC, and they came in with low ball offers, and then one is a team like the Jets. I think the Jets are a team that can swoop in and try and make something weird. Like, like, all right, let's go. Like, you know what? We have Sam Darnold. We have some defensive stars, Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams. You know, we got Tremaine Johnson. We signed it for agency. We got Avery Williamson, an underrated linebacker. We got some juice here. At, at you know, we got a high pick in the draft. Why don't we try and trade? Let's let's go send our third round pick to Antonio Brown right now. Hey, Steelers, third round pick Antonio Brown. Let's get a deal done, and uh, then we'll go sign Le'Veon Bell, and we'll just be the Steelers. But a few le- few years later, will that definitely work out for them? No, of course not. It could flame up spectacularly. Does it make sort of some sense if you're Mike McCagnan and you're kind of reeling and trying to avoid getting fired and you need to win games this year and you want to put the proper weapons in Adam Gase's system? Hell yeah, it makes sense. Now, I don't think Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are the uh, type of players that Adam Gase, you know, was, you know, cleaning out the locker room, getting my people in, uh, in Miami. But I don't know, man. If, if you put Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, with Sam Darnold and those defensive weapons and add Robbie Anderson in there and, um, you know, get another edge rusher or something like that. You cook it with a little something in the AFC East. I'd make you the second best team in a heartbeat in there and I'd at least give you a, 
five to one shot at upsetting the Patriots. I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't know. I think the Jets would be an interesting team here. It would be a short window situation and it could be a total disaster, but you know, could, could be interesting. Watch it. The, uh, the Bears are going to cut ties with Cody Parkey. Kicker missed a lot of kicks, missed a uh, kick to cost some people some money line parlays and uh, cost them a playoff win, of course. And um, that's no surprise. They were they were going to do that. That was always going to happen because Cody Parkey screwed up in a big moment. They want to bring Robbie Gold back. I know Tom Fernelli, friend of the podcast, going to have him on maybe this week even to talk about some combine stuff. Um, he pointed out that uh, Robbie Gold who is the guy that they cut, has not exactly or was not exactly great at Soldier Field uh, before he, he he was dumped by the Bears. Maybe it's just hard to kick at Soldier Field. Anybody thought about that? Maybe it's just hard to kick at Soldier Field. Um, John Gruden remains in the news, like this headline from John Breach. Raiders could shake up 2019 NFL draft, colon. John Gruden sees trade potential with teams' three first-round picks. In other words... Breaking news, Colin, uh, coach with GM power willing to deal first round picks. But I mean, it, it is interesting that they do now have, uh, Gruden and he said, I think there's a lot of potential for trades. And I think that's one of the things I'm excited about with new general manager, Mike Mayock. Gruden said on the Raiders podcast, what he brings to the table, he's got great resources around the NFL, like John Gruden doesn't. He's been in every building. He's on a first name basis. What? Everybody knows Mike, and I think he's going to be on the phones quite a bit with the two picks you talked about. Who knows? We may move up with the number four pick. We may move back with that pick. We'll see how it all unfolds. I love draft season. There's nothing better. John Gruden says, we might take our draft pick and move up, or we might move back. And by the way, Mike Mayock is on a first-name basis with everybody around the NFL. Yeah. I mean, so are you, John. Unbelievable! Like like Reggie McKenzie wasn't on a first name basis with uh, with John Elway. Uh, uh, Reggie is it? Reggie is it? Uh, right, Reggie, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, John, how you doing? Get, get out of here. Of course, but I mean, Mayock knows everybody, and I think that Mayock's um, draft analysis will help. But Mayock also got a lot of information from a lot of personnel guys around the league. He ain't uh, he ain't mining that that uh, that gold mine anymore, man. So that'll be interesting to watch as well. I would not be surprised at all if the Raiders made some kind of trade move. In fact, I think they control the first round of the draft because they have three picks. I mean, that, that's just how it works. A hundred percent, every single article, article you write, including mine, first round, winners and losers. Raiders are a winner because they have three picks. If you have three picks, you will be a winner in terms of the NFL draft awards. I mean, that's, that's just how it works. It's going to happen every stinking time. Um, do people care about the Oscars? Do we care about the Oscars? Probably not. We don't talk about the Oscars. The Oscars are currently happening though. Um, or, or you know, not, not an NFL thing, but as I'm recording this and, and prepping the second part of it, the Oscars are happening. Uh, you, we also have a updated Antonio Brown landing spots thing. You can check that out on CBS Um, and then, yeah, I guess the other one thing from the, from the weekend, that's of like reasonable news is that uh, Rob Gronkowski apparently has been telling people that he does in fact uh, kind of will come, will come back and win another uh, win another uh, Super Bowl. So that is fascinating to me that Rob Gronkowski might come back and try and make one more run at it. Gronk 
of course, would, would severely help the Patriots next year. It would, would improve them at, would, like, not losing him would improve them at tight end, if you know what I'm saying. And, and so that would go a long way towards the Patriots' potential title defense. I think that is all the news we've got. Um, make sure and check out CBS Sports HQ all week long. Make sure and check out these draft profiles coming up. We're going to break down, again, quarterback and running back coming today. John Ledyard at Ledyard NFL Draft. Read thedraftnetwork.com. They just launched a new thing where you can create your own mock draft and your own big board. Very cool stuff over there. Uh, Ryan Wilson at Ryan Wilson CBS. And, of course, he does all our draft stuff for cbssports.com. It does a great job. You can follow me at Will Brinson. Check out the Pick 6 podcast on our social channels. Pick 6 pod on Instagram is actually maybe the funniest spot, but they're really good on Twitter, too. The social media guys run it and let me have some input every now and then. In the meantime, let's go talk some quarterbacks and running backs after this break. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, joining the show now, as promised, we have uh, Ryan Wilson on hand, Ryan is excited to be podcasting with me for the 19th straight year in a row. But we are actually excited to join, uh, to have joining us now, John Ledyard of the DraftNetwork.com. And John, we are going to record, <laughs> you're a lunatic. You decided you're going to do three <laughs> different segments, uh, to preview the combine. But, uh, you know what? We appreciate it. You know what you're talking about. And we are, uh, we're pumped to have you on. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. I guess I got a little challenge ahead of me. 19 years of chemistry here together. I got to fit right in seamlessly here. So I'm ready. I'm prepared. You'll be fine. Well, girlfriend. Before we dive in, I am curious, like before we dive into prospects, I am curious because you and a group of guys started the draft network uh, last. This is the first full draft right with the right. with the actual website and we were we, we mentioned it um when we were talking about team needs the other day ryan and i did in a, in a in a previous podcast but like you guys have put a crap ton of work into this site i mean you crank out an unbelievable amount of content how did this how did this and, and everybody can read it at the draft network.com the draft network.com um what uh how did this come about and, and have you guys really found the results to be, um, you know, as internally pleasing as they look from the outside? Yeah. You know, the DraftNetwork.com was originally kind of, well, I've, I've kind of had this idea for a long time. I've said like, what, what if there was a one draft site that just did everything well? Like there's a bunch of different places that do different things well. And there's some good voices here and, you know, good scouting reports here and good layout and aesthetic and other places. And what if we just took it all and did it all really well in one spot? Well, obviously to do that, you need, some financial backing. So Trevor Sickema and I do the Locked On NFL Draft podcast five days a week, year round, and we're talking NFL Draft, and our numbers are just going up and up and up, and we see ourselves moving up the iTunes rankings, and we're like, man, this is a huge podcast. Like, people 
really like the draft year round. I mean, the numbers dip a little bit out of season, out of the draft season, but really not even that significantly. So we were just super excited about that. And we thought, why not? What if we parlay this into something bigger? And so we started the draft network, launched it on August 6th, uh, 2018. And, uh, so we've been live for like a little over six months now. And, uh, the numbers were great at first and we were like super excited. And we're like, man, this is like amazing. Like, you know, I didn't expect these numbers right away. And then they just kept going up and like right. the interest kept being bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we kept doing more scouting reports and like people were on them every single day. And like, and then the more content we did, the more people would consume. And we try to put out five, six new articles a day. And people are, and then on top, on top of that, scouting reports and people just eating it up, asking for more. And so, yeah, we've been totally blown away by the numbers, by the results. And our goal is by the, you know, time we really fully establish this thing to kind of do every aspect of draft coverage well. And so far, we're pretty excited. Got mock draft machine and build your own big board launch on Monday. So, uh, that's an exciting part of all this. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. So people, if you don't, uh, know about it, I think, um, I did some of the beta testing for it, but I, mm. I haven't had a chance to play with it as much as I'd like. Again, a small child and an and actual <laughs> job, but like you can lazy basically, also. and I'm lazy. Yeah. I'm lazy. Cause you can see it. <laughs> like, 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 let me say quickly, Brinson, I introduced myself to John at the at mobile at the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. Awesome guy. In fact, I, I think I met four other that the, I met yeah. Kyle, Benjamin and Joe. Feel free to give them last awesome. names if you want to help promo. Kyle Krabs, <laughs> Benjamin Solak. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Joe Marino. Look yeah. at that. Suck it, Brad. <laughs> I don't think you don't know them. <laughs> but anyway, the, the point is they, you know, sometimes you, you follow people on the internet and you meet them and they're sort of jerks. These guys are fantastic. And as you pointed out, Wilbur, they know upward, downward, sideways. And I tell John every time I see him, the only issue I have with John is on Sundays when he tweets about the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad enough to watch Roethlisberger throwing interceptions. I don't need to be reminded of why, <laughs> why everything is what's up. Hey, this but, is but, everybody's issue with me. I don't well, know, I'll tell you what, like, I, I think one thing that uh, this is like the ultimate credit, I think. So I have like this email thread with a bunch of friends. Um, you know, it's like all things Wolfpack or ATW is what we call it, but it's, you know, it's basically a bunch of NC State fans. But the, the, when some, somebody pasted, I think it was your Kelvin Harmon scouting report on there, but that's when you know you're getting read is when you're getting pasted into like, like dad email chains. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's when your traffic is high enough that, that like dads are copying these scouting reports and sitting about. So Listen. that's. That's yeah. peak right there. When we started the draft network, I said, what's, what's peak for us? And they said, dad email chains. When we get to that point, we <laughs> know we right. made it. So I feel good about yeah, that yeah. now. That's uh, better than the blue check mark. That's right. That's right. And by the way, look, if you, if you're a fan of a specific team, I recommend you, of course, we have great draft coverage at cbssports.com. Ryan, uh, Chris Trapasso, RJ White, everybody does great. My, my, my box are just incredible, frankly. Uh, but you guys have, uh, seven round team specific mocks. I mean, that's one of the nice things about being able to dive into the, the niche that is that particular the draft and uh, you're doing great work over there so let's uh let's put your 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 smarty pants to use and let's dive in and talk about some prospects um we're gonna do i think this is how it's gonna work out quarterbacks and running backs today today being monday uh wide receivers tight end offensive linemen on tuesday and then we will cover the defense on wednesday and of course the actual combine um begins on thursday i think in terms of the prospects coaches and stuff will be there on wednesday we hope to have lots of coaches for thursday friday uh and then we will have saturday and sunday shows because really five Five days is not enough for this podcast. Um, I love doing it. Don't send me DMs getting mad about that. Um, first things first, the Kyler question, John, is he good? Where does he rank? Um, can he be the number one quarterback? Is is he a guy you're buying into? Kyler Murray is is clearly the storyline of this draft year. Yeah, absolutely. He's the face of the draft, I think, no question about it. And so the but the that doesn't mean that everybody's on like 
agrees he's the consensus top guy or anything. Not in fact, all. I think there's opinions kind of all over the place on Kyler Murray, you know, uh, from ranging from he should have played baseball to he's the best quarterback in this class and maybe one of the best quarterbacks in the last few years. So you won't find a range on a player as much as, much, uh, as great as Kyler Murray's. He is my QB1 right now, but I like to play a little risky with the quarterback position, man. Like, I need upside. I need the ability to do some high-end things, and he can do that. He can have a bad process on a play, miss an open guy, you know, um, you know, not not play according to structure uh, when he should have, something like that, uh, you know, step up in the wrong way in the pocket, something of that nature, and still get a good result because he's that insane of an athlete. You know, I think people got excited about Lamar Jackson as an athlete, good because he was a good athlete if you like that kyler murray's a better athlete than lamar jackson in my opinion you know i think he's legitimately a 4340 guy if you watch that one touchdown run again against texas was like peak acceleration long field speed you could see the whole thing sometimes you don't get to get a feel for the peak quarterback speed with a lot of these guys with him you do and i think he's legitimately an unbelievable athlete at the position but also he has a better arm than lamar jackson he has a better arm than a lot of guys we've seen uh come out of the drafts in recent years and so um i like those aspects of kyler murray where he needs cultivated is almost the exact opposite of a guy like Dwayne haskins to me kyler murray has great traits I don't care that much about the size. It's something to consider, I think, but it's not as big a deal to me as some other things. He's a really stubborn thrower. He just likes to throw where he wants to throw, and it doesn't matter if there's defenders there. And he got away with that sometimes in the Big 12, but he won't get away with that in the NFL. It won't happen. So that's my concern with him is that way more boomer bust to his playing style than a Dwayne Askins. But I got to I gotta go with the upside at the position. That's why I kind of like Kyler Murray. Ryan, should uh... – John, would you say that Dwayne Haskins is a better runner than Kyler Murray? Because <laughs> I, I got to get that out there. I would, I would not say that. I could not agree with that. Okay, well, that's see, where we, that's where we agree. Did you go see ahead, Wilbur? Stephen A.'s latest thing? I'm like, not naming names, and you're not supposed to either. Just please, you can, we can say Stephen A. I mean, this is this is like his thing. He's like he's like latching onto it. So he's like, I'm telling you, he's like Le'Veon Bell, a sleeper spot is Carolina. I, it's like, and Max Kellerman's like Christian McCaffrey. Victor Cruz makes that face, like, dude, for real. Right. And Stephen A's like, but the receivers, and he starts like doing weird yeah. finger motions that that are not appropriate to describe on a podcast. But it's, he's, he's like, he's like receivers, receivers. Yeah. Like, what are you talking what? about, man? Um, Ryan, should Kyler Murray throw at the combine? Yes or no? No, I think John actually feels differently about this, but he, he can listen. There are conversations to be had about putting him under pressure and making him feel uncomfortable and all that. You can do that later. He'll have his pro day. It'll all be scripted. And I always go back to Johnny Manziel in 2014 where Mike Mayock lost his mind. Johnny Manziel wore a helmet at his pro day number one. And people <laughs> were going crazy when he was going off wearing camo and he, I don't, maybe one drop, maybe that's W, wasn't W there or like HW? One of the, yeah, one of yeah. the bushes I think that's was there, right. yeah. Did the official coin toss before the JFF uh, pro day. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, and people got crazy about that. I, I don't care about Kyler Murray throwing here. I, I think it's sort of going against the grain because a lot of guys have started to throw. Sam Darnold didn't throw last year, but Dwayne Haskins looks like he's going to throw. And that's great, but at the end of the day, you're throwing to guys you don't know. And yes, there's some uncomfortability with that, but I don't know if that, at the end of the day, is going to make a difference about whether Kyler Murray is a great quarterback or not. I like Dwayne Haskins a little better, but I love Kyler Murray. And my favorite, one of my favorite plays was against Alabama in the playoffs where he stepped up in the pocket and threw that 49-yard laser to Rambo. The throw was great, but what what I think people miss is that Anthony Jennings sacks 99% of the other quarterbacks who's coming around the edge to get. He just steps up. He is so quick and so fast. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd lose that because you're blown away by the touchdown and the touch and throw and the catch and all that. Mm-hmm. But I love Kyler Murray. Um, I like Dwayne Haskins a little bit more. I think he's more consistent. We've seen he had a really good year, 70% completion or whatever. Didn't play the year before very much, so those are questions there. But I feel like in the right system, 
Or even in the wrong system. I feel like in the Giants, if he's surrounded by good players, he could be mm-hmm. okay. There's That's no it. way. There's no way Dave Gettleman is a Kyler Murray guy. There's just no, like no. there's just Dwayne, not. Like, yeah. Like right. I, 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 oh, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. I don't think he's. A, I mean, well, here's I, what I say about Kyler Murray. Imagine Kyler Murray in offense with Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, Evan Ingram. Is that offense going to score more points than one with Eli Manning? <laughs> yes. Just been ducking forty times a game. I don't understand what the what the problem is there. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's Dave it. Gettleman's kind of archaic mindset, right? That he's going to be built around this conservative passing attack. I mean, that's why he hires Shermer, short passing game. That's why he keep Eli short passing games. All he does anymore, you know, you got your your heady guy at quarterback, and you're going to revolve around the run. And I I completely agree with you, Ryan. I disagree with the mindset behind not going moving to what could be a yes a new and 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 different and sometimes difficult because of the challenges of that but instead sticking with kind of what you know but Gettleman is so old school I can't see him doing it even though I agree with you he absolutely should who's, I mean who's name another GM who's taken running backs in the top 10 in back-to-back classes with different franchises uh, like it's never <laughs> pick me pick Jacksonville oh <laughs> right? uh, yeah 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 and, and they also need a quarterback so surprise surprise the two teams with that archaic mindset yeah. both find themselves no, but, no, but, high because no, but, of it no but I mean Gettleman did it with Christian McCaffrey and then did, yeah did, did for Saquon Barkley like he went to two different uh teams and was like yeah I'm taking a quarterback or taking a running back in the, in but do the you top feel ten. like that uh, Caldwell and Coughlin might be more amenable to taking a risk on Kyler than Gettleman. I feel like maybe they could be talked into it. Yeah, more, I think. Yeah, I do. I think more so, yeah. I I still have a hard time trusting that that'll be their process, right. but it's going to be fascinating. And now is their OC, which, which helps. He's a good and they're more desperate for a quarterback, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah and DeFilippo, you're right. Good point there, too. Yeah, yeah that, that makes more sense with him. Um, has, has Haskins at this point become underrated? And where would you guys – and I'll start with you, John. Where would you slot these two guys? And, and feel free to add somebody else to the group if you're a big – Drew Locke guy or big Daniel Jones guy, but I, I mean, where would you put John? Is not a Daniel Jones guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I is am it, not. Who's it's Joe Marino that murdered Ryan Finley, right? But like accurately oh, murdered, yeah, yeah, accurately murdered Ryan Finley. Um, we'll get to more of those guys in a second, but I'm curious, where would Kyler and Dwayne Haskins slot in terms of because we always see the comparables across the draft classes? Like, who would be you know where would you fit them with the last two years with it Baker? Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, uh, Trubisky, and Patrick Mahomes, and um, uh, of course I'm forgetting oh, Deshaun Watson. And, 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 I, and right. when I when I say that, it's important that people realize when we're talking in this frame, we don't mean now because Mahomes right. would be one and everybody else would be much lower. Watson would be up there too. But like as in terms of coming out of college and coming into the draft, right? Uh, let me think here. Um, okay, so Rosen and Mayfield. I loved Rosen, and I still love Rosen. I still sure. think he can be a really good quarterback. I'm I've too. not. I'm not giving up at all on him because that team was horrendous and everything about it was bad. Coaching, front office, offensive line, horrible. So I would have, out of those groups, I'd probably have Rosen, Mayfield, Watson. Now, remember, this was Mahomes coming out. I was really excited about his upside, but exactly what you just said. As a prospect, there were obvious things that needed work, and I think there were some situations that he ended up in around the NFL. Things would have been a little bit rougher than what we see now, but clearly an unbelievable talent. I would have probably had it Rosen, Mayfield, Watson, Trubisky, I had like a tad over Mahomes, mm-hmm. but I said at the time it really depended on, like if you were the Chiefs trading up, I said, or the Texans, who were the two teams people thought would trade up, and then they both did. I was like, you should take the guy with the higher upside yeah. at that position because you already have a good team you know, in place. But to me, I thought that was riskier. You know, Those were better teams with stable coaching situations, offensive minds. So anyway, I would probably put Rosen, Mayfield, Watson, Trubisky, Mahomes, Darnold, mm-hmm. And then probably Kyler Murray. Okay. And then probably Dwayne Haskins. Okay. I'm probably 
forgetting someone, but no, that's no, no. probably that's a. Then I think Josh Allen. Do you, I mean, look, people are yes. usually either off or on to Josh Allen, but I think, and I'm Ryan. I want you curious where you if if it's a similar slot, different slot, but I think that's important to note when we're talking about these guys because. It's, you know, coming in, this is a weak draft class, right? And now it's like, mm-hmm. hey, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins are really good, but you've got to remember they might be a step below sort of the other prospects in terms of how they were viewed around the league. Yeah, no, I think I would have uh, from bottom to top, it would be uh, uh, Josh Allen at the bottom, Lamar, and then probably Trubisky, and then the the, the upper half, uh, Kyler and Dwayne would be up there in the mix with those guys, not at the top. I love Baker. Um, Patrick Mahomes, a big issue with him was, hey, he's Brett Favre, but he, he does a lot of crazy stuff and we can't control what he's doing. Can, can Andy Reid get a, a feel for that or whoever the coach ended up being? And Andy Reid did exceeded everyone's expectations and obviously. Well, well, that's, well, that's the thing about Mahomes. If you had said, all right, here's the deal. Patrick Mahomes is the prospect he is. He's going to Kansas City. He's going to sit for a year, learn from Andy Reid, and then take over the reins of this offense with Travis Kelsey. And like, you'd be like, well, he's the number one guy. I mean, like, like mm-hmm. if you tell Andrew me that, 50 yeah, if you tell me that's <laughs> how it's going to unfold, then sure. But I mean, right. yeah, you don't, you don't it, know that. We uh, skip over it a lot, but it's so, landing spot is so important. Like there are legitimate yeah. avenues. If Murray landed with a with a team that didn't know how to use him at all, like and and just wanted him to fit in their box instead of being who he is as a player, Haskins will probably be better. Um, it, that's just you know that's why I, I I think about it. So I think the landing spot really matters. If you had John, put, let me ask you this real quick though: If in 2017 the Browns had drafted Patrick Mahomes, how would he be right now? Yeah, probably not the MVP. Right. <laughs> I really don't believe. Yeah, I really believe he wouldn't or, be. Or I, what if you what if you put what if you put Patrick Mahomes? on the Cardinals last year as a rookie with no year to sit and he has to play behind that line with those weapons and then you give Josh Ro- and you give Josh Rosen a year in Pat- in Andy Reid's system I think if, I don't think Josh Rosen's thrown for 50 touchdowns and winning sure. MVP but I think he's putting right. up a a higher end Alex Smith th- uh, type yeah. of season um all right what uh, no go ahead go ahead I was going to say all right what yeah. what quarterback uh John can help himself the most at this combine who good question. Um, okay, on the field, uh, I think it actually probably is Daniel Jones, I want to okay. say, just because we, we know every year they got that radar gun out and they're trying to what's the up what's the upside here? What's the arm talent like? I just don't see great arm talent in Daniel Jones. I think he's okay in that way. He's kind of like okay in in terms of every box that you want to check and then I think below average and some other ones, but what is what is it about Daniel Jones that gets you know excited? Now, can he make some big throws you know can he make some downfield throws you know that are on time that are accurate that are, are dropped in nicely right shoulder you know and I think that's kind of what you're looking for with him he's just got to get some buzz about it. I know he won senior boy MVP but like he was clearly not very good in the game and I know they had to give it to somebody and it was really there was nobody really standing out and I think you know he threw one up and somebody made a play down the field but really like throughout the week of the senior boy he struggled he threw more interceptions than any other quarterbacks there and so like it's been that guy that you're trying to find, like, what am I getting excited about here? Like, even Josh Allen, like, as much as, you know, like Ryan mentioned, like, I wasn't super high on Josh Allen coming out, but he even got better. Like, his senior bowl combine, he threw better, and I thought, okay, like, he's improving as he works on things, and I think that that was big. I need to see that with Daniel Jones, but off the field, it's definitely Kyler Murray, in my opinion, because the interviews with teams, selling them on both his knowledge of the game, his commitment to the game, his work ethic, his leadership. You know, the three of us may not care about this, but like <laughs> Kyler Murray is very much a like leader by example type yeah, of guy. Um, and that's really kind of a nice way of saying he doesn't have an alpha personality. <laughs> and that's on he's, how he's, he's like, he's like Marcus Mariota and he's not yeah. like Baker Mayfield. 
He's not at all like Baker Mayfield. In fact, I asked Ben Powers about that when I was down in, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. I said, what's the differences between them and the way they conduct themselves? He said, Baker's a way better leader. He's a Kyler will lead by example, but he's a better athlete than Baker was, which, you know, obviously I think, uh, but I, I do think that'll be important to NFL teams. Whether we think it's overrated or, you know, the whole birthday party thing with Connor Cook to like Josh Rosen and all that, like, every year it gets talked about for a reason. NFL teams really, really care about it. Um, and for a guy who's already kind of one year as a starter, waffled between positions, you know, kind of had some awkward interviews to say the least, you know, teams are going to want, what's this guy about? Like, can he walk into a locker room and walk into a huddle and inspire confidence in the guys around him? Because they love that about Baker Mayfield. Like I think they thought that was huge about Baker Mayfield, even Sam Darnold. So that to me is the important thing that he's got to prove to NFL teams that I think right now at this point, I would say he hasn't done a very good job of that, but he's going to have a chance to get down on the whiteboard with teams in the interview, look GMs and look coaches in the eye and tell them, I can lead your team. Like I can do something special in the NFL. And so that to me is the most important quarterback result from the combine is what Kyler Murray does. If, if this goes poorly, I'm not going to play for the A's. I mean, like that, I mean, that, I mean, I'd right. be worried about that if I draft him. Ryan, who, Absolutely. Do you, who do you think can help himself, uh, the most? And who is a, or maybe if you want to go, who, who's a sleeper out there at quarterback? Is there a sleeper? A, um, uh, I like BJ Coleman type, if I may reference the great Macaulay school there. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'll start with Dwayne Haskins as, as having the most to prove. We talked about it last week with Chip Patterson in that uh, recency effect. We haven't talked about Dwayne Haskins in a while. It's been all Kyler Murray talk. Dwayne is secretly a pretty good leader. You hear him talk, and uh, you hear his teammates talk, and, and they buy into what he's selling. It also helps that he, he played as well as he did last year. But he also has a fantastic arm. He seems like he can make all the throws and all the other boxes you want to check. But we'll get to see that up close and personal. And sometimes when you see that up close and personal compared to the other quarterbacks, It'll take your breath away, and that'll get you back on the radar, assuming he, he fell off at all. But also meeting with the, with the teams and doing the interviews and stuff. But I think physically seeing him there 6'3 and whatever he weighs and seeing him move, seeing how, <laughs> how well he runs, uh, joking there, <clears throat> those are all important <laughs> things for a guy who's sort of been lost in the Kyler Murray conversations. He wasn't at the at the Senior Bowl, so he wasn't in that conversation with the Drew Locks and the Daniel Joneses. In terms of a sleeper, like right now, I, I'm kind of curious. I, I want to see what John thinks. Like the QB5, because that's down the list a little bit. There's mm-hmm. Haskins, Murray, Jones, Locke, and then who's next? I like Ryan Finley. He has a lot of warts. He can't throw the ball very far. That's a huge wart. <laughs> he's a great anticipation thrower. Sometimes he gets locks on the receivers and all that. But I wonder if uh, Brett Rippon can make a little noise, because mm-hmm. yep. he does a lot of things really well, both before and after the snap. But sort of like Finley, he doesn't have a great arm. He's not mobile at all, and those are mm-hmm. other things. He's a guy who can play for seven or eight years as a backup. And come in when you need them and do the things you need them to do for a game or two. So I want to see what that battle is for, for QB5. Yeah. No, I think it's a good point. Uh, Rippon is really interesting. He really looked pretty solid at the Shrine game. And you remember, talking about this in context, right? Like if we expect four quarterbacks to go somewhat relatively high, these guys are probably going to be late day two, early day three, more than likely picks. Um, no matter where we kind of feel about them. But uh, I also, I think there's some, something there with Rippon as well to at least be a, a solid backup of the NFL. I think Finley can carve out a spot in the NFL, uh, for sure. Jordan Tiamu's the kind of the sleeper that I, no, no one's talking about the Ole Miss quarterback really. Uh, if you look at the box score against Alabama and LSU, it was rough. If you look at the tape, he had some rough moments, but also he had some really good throws and he was really given very little chance. Also, the offense at Ole Miss is a fascinating discussion. We could probably have three podcasts on the offense at Ole Miss because it limited everybody. Some guys still stood out. Some guys stood out in flashes. Some guys didn't get the chance to stand out at all, like Dawson Knox. So it's interesting because that offense really – I talked to Dawson Knox the other day on our podcast, and I said, how many how many plays do you think they're in there? He's like, I would say 25 is being generous. 
in terms of number of plays. Very little put on Jordan Tiamu at, from a mental perspective as, nice. as a workload, but he is a absolutely tape hound. He studies all the time. He is uh, dedicated to the position. His work ethic's incredible. His demeanor, you know, get another guy that's quieter, but very resolute, very, uh, kind of a stoic personality, unflappable in the face of pressure. Um, I like that because him, I think he has a really good arm and people talk about, oh, he comes from a super simple offense. So the NFL will be a big leap. That's true, but in my opinion, he has the traits and the work ethic, and he's a super smart kid to be able to pick some of that stuff up. I also think the offense is so simple at Ole Miss, it limited the amount of impact he was supposed to have. Because really good defenses, LSU and Alabama, they knew exactly what their offense was going to do. You could see it on tape over and over and over again. So I think it hurt Tiamu in some ways because he couldn't show everything because there were a lot of plays where guys were totally covered because they only had a certain number of plays. Knox told me he only ran like four routes the whole year. So teams knew what they were going to do a lot of the time. I think that hurt Tiamu. I like his traits a good bit, and I think he's a good athlete too. I hope that he's like the day three steal of this draft. Uh, Will Greer, is? do we need to be worried about Will Greer? He's down a lot from where he was. I thought, I think, and I think people are tend to go, like for some people he's a top five QB, and for others he's like, nah, I'm not touching him. Any interest in Greer at all, guys? No. He's get drafted late. <laughs> really? He didn't have a very good senior yeah. bowl, and he, he had flashes during, at West Virginia, but you watch him play, and I was always wondering where the arm strength was because I always heard he had a great arm. I never saw that. I know he was talking about his arm strength at the senior bowl, and that's what he's supposed to say. But he it seemed like he played – he was very impatient when he played at West Virginia. And then he – look, if you have like four or five bad snaps during the game of the senior bowl, it's over just because you don't have that opportunity. But he didn't have great practices either, I felt like. Right. He didn't. Uh, and I, I agree with you. There's not great tools there and too many mistakes. He makes too many mistakes uh, against really low level competition defense. And from what I've heard, his demeanor doesn't really rub everybody the right way in terms of NFL teams that he's talked to. So that could be something to watch for as well. OK. Uh, all right. Let's talk about running backs. And uh, specifically, when you look at the running backs, who is the number two guy, John, behind uh, Josh Jacobs? I think everybody's on board that Josh Jacobs is the number one guy, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. I am. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I think he's a consensus guy. Um, who's Who's your number two behind him? Uh, good question. Right now, it's Daryl Henderson. I am very open to. I've kind of this self admitted. I've I have ignored the running back class as much okay. as possible because. I am frustrated after last year. Um, Philip Lindsay doesn't even get any love at all pre-draft. I'm working six other jobs at the time. So like, I'm trying to watch everybody, but I don't get to everybody. <laughs> I'm like, this guy didn't get invited to anything. So like, I'm not going to really prioritize watching him. Sure enough, he goes out and destroys, um, you know, Gus Edwards is out here running for five and a half yards of carry. Most people listen to this pod probably don't even know who that is like, there's just over and over. You're seeing running backs with just nothing like, you know, Josh Adams, I thought his tape was terrible at Notre Dame. You know, I th- and honestly, he wasn't that great in the NFL either, but the offensive line was and the scheme was. And so he was fine. He was it's productive. All, it's all about opportunity. I mean, Philip <laughs> Lindsay, really Philip Lindsay's a good runner, but like he's not going to be a 10 year pro bowler hall of fame guy. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, right. it's, I mean, he might, might be. I mean, well, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, bottom I, line is bad news for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> Le'Veon, yeah, Le'Veon's going to show what he paid. All right. Well, let me ask you this instead then. Who's a better, quote unquote, small school prospect, Daryl Henderson or Devin Singletary and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think Henderson is a better natural receiver slash like open space type of player. Like the athletic gifts are a little better. Singletary just has this uncanny ability to cut in open space. I wouldn't even say it's like highly athletic, just super aware and like great body control. Um, yeah, he just, and he doesn't lose speed or throttle down when he does it. So I'm really excited about Singletary as a runner. I would say, um, as a, if you were getting to giving me a guy and you were saying, 
let's take a guy that can give us like 15 to 20 carries a game. That doesn't happen as much in the NFL these days. But like if we needed a guy like that for offense, a, guy, a feature guy a little bit, I might lean towards Singletary. Henderson is more of a third down space player, but he can do a little bit of everything and you want him on the field. So I would say both those guys are in competition right now to be my RB2 because, again, if I'm looking at factors and I'm saying almost all these guys, if they get in a great situation, could be good running backs in the NFL. There are varying degrees, but they could be productive in the NFL. The things that separate are pass protection, open space ability with the ball in your hands, so the ability to take a normal run and make it into something more, and receiving ability. Those are the three things I'm really looking for as special kind of things for running backs. So in that way, both of them stand out in this class, I think, for different reasons. But I like Henderson a lot more as the receiving option. If you need a guy who can catch the ball um, and do that kind of stuff for your offense, he's the better option. If you need a guy to be a little bit more bell cow, I know he's smaller, but I think Singletary's that guy. What do you think, Ryan? Who you got between Henderson and Singletary? Oh, I, I like I like Singletary a lot. I haven't watched Henderson yet, but what I see from Singletary is basically what John's pointed out. He's he's small, he's shifty, and he does things in, things in space that sort of blow your mind. In terms of the number two guy that I have after Josh Jacobs, and this is actually pretty close for me, and I don't think some people don't like this guy at all, but, but I like him a lot. It's David Montgomery at Iowa State. He is a workhorse, man. He does a lot of things really well. Again, it has to come down to how well can he catch and how well can he pass block. But when he has the ball in his hands, he's always falling forward. He's getting four or five yards of carry. He has the burst to get outside when he needs to. Uh, it's just a matter of where does he fit? How high does he go? I know that, I mean, this is a conversation that sort of came up probably about a month ago when, um, Daniel Jeremiah had Josh Jacobs going fifth to the Tampa Bay. Everyone freaked out. I don't know if he's going top 10. That seems really high. Yeah. Given the, the, the list of names we've talked about and all guys you can contribute, but I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck into the first round. He'll probably be the only first round, um, running back, but I feel like you could have a run on guys in the second round. That could really make a difference. Again, right, right fit, right scheme, all that. But David Montgomery is a guy that, that I like a lot. And if he went in the second round, I, I wouldn't be upset with that. And Montgomery didn't exactly play in like, you know, he wasn't playing in some, I mean, he's in the Big 12, but he's not like in a Big 12 air raid type of scheme or anything like that. He's, I mean, right, like Iowa State is a fairly, um, condensed. Don't jump off the Keem Butler. I don't know what else they were doing. Right. I mean, yeah, but I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They wouldn't, but they weren't, they would like, they would almost change their game plan week to week in terms of who they were playing. It wasn't like Oklahoma comes in, we're going to run 900 plays and, and be tempo and all that. And correct me if I'm wrong. That's, that's what, that's the, the vague 30,000, uh, drinking beer on Saturday viewpoint that I got of Iowa State's, uh, of, of, of Iowa that's State's that's offense. Spot on. Oh, excellent. Yeah, well, I think it's accurate. Um, <laughs> all right. What running back can help themselves the, or help himself the most at the combine, John? Probably Holyfield. Uh, you know, everybody, the Georgia legacy of running backs is pretty strong. Um, obviously. So teams are already kind of interested, but does, is there great traits there? You know, I think, can he catch the ball well? Everybody kind of wonders that. Like his tape is clearly pretty solid, I think, but. Again, it comes down to the three things. If you're breaking him out from the running back class, what can he do in space? I didn't think he was utilized in that role or asked to play in that role a lot at Georgia. But when he did, I didn't think that was a, a strongest point for him, not like it is with DeAndre Swift. So that is already a question mark for him. The athletic traits, if he can show them, will help himself in that way a little bit, I think. But also, does he catch the ball while in drills? That'll be big for him, I think. Um, how well does he run certain routes, things like that. And then um, I just think – the, the ability to, I know he won't get to pass protect there, but the, that, which will be another thing I would look for with him. But I think the ability to show that you can have some home run threat, some splash play ability, you know, whether it's the 40 or whatever teams look for the explosiveness from Elijah Holyfield. I think he's one guy that people will want to like because the genes are good, obviously, you know, yeah. and he's, he's this rocked up dude who clearly is physical and he, he's big and he fits the prototype for the NFL and he comes from Georgia. Teams already want to like him just 
put nudge him, push him over the edge, and you're going to be a high pick. Whether you can argue about the value of the position and whether he his tape indicates he should be a high pick or not, but he'll be one of the first running backs taken if he shows that kind those kind of traits at the combine. Uh, yeah, and the, the other thing too is like combine the combine the NFL Network likes a story. That's a mm-hmm. that's a layup. Like there's already yep. been meetings where they're like, oh, we got to talk about Holyfield on on uh, the second day of the combine. Ryan, anybody yep. anybody that can help or hurt themselves notably out of this running back class for you? Yeah, a guy I sort of like is uh, Reckwell Armstead at uh, Temple. Nice. Um, he's like a day three guy probably right now, but he has a chance to, if he s- runs a sub four or five, maybe make some noise. He's a physical runner, man. I was talking yep. to him the other day, and I said, when I watch you, I feel like you're running angry. He goes, yep, I try to be as violent as possible, <laughs> and I, I can like also that. hit the home run. He scored six touchdowns in the game against Houston. Uh, but my favorite stat, and I was talking about this, is that against Tulsa, he rushed for 108 yards, which is great. He had a sack in that game. Like, they had guys That's that were hurt. Awesome. What? What? And he said, the coach said, go in there and see what you can do. So he got, he played, got on the edge, had a sack. So he's, he told me, he said, I'm one of the three players in college history to have a sack in the game and run for 100 yards. So I said, uh, wow. who, who do you pattern yourself after defense, in terms of defensive end? He goes, oh, Von Miller. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's terrific. Yeah. I talked to his running backs coach. He goes, that, that does not surprise me at all that he said Von Miller. He's the most competitive guy I know. And when you watch him play, man, it, it's a lot of fun to watch him play. So he comes out there, runs a sub four five. Maybe you have a day three, a day two conversation, maybe third round or something. But he's a fun guy to watch, and he's another guy. You plug him in there, he can do some things for you. I mean, you know, he's not going to be. Well, it doesn't. He could be. He could be James Conner. Who knows? I was going to say he's not going to be James Conner or Le'Veon Bell, but he very well may be that in the right system. But that, that's a guy who could he could help himself. Um, he's a nice player. All right, uh, that'll do it for quarterbacks and running backs. We will be back tomorrow to break down the wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive linemen.